0: Welcome everyone to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves digital media content manager. My co-host Greg McMichael. He's a busy man. He's getting ready for a Braves fantasy camp down in Northport coming up soon in January. He is, of course, working hard on the the inaugural season of Braves Country baseball and softball. So he's got a whole lot going on. So I figured we'd give him a little bit of a breather this week. But fear not, he'll be back with us soon. Uh, in the meantime, I've got a great guest here for you today, Jonathan Scherholtz. Now, of course. You, I'm sure you, everybody knows the name John Scherholtz. That'd be Jonathan's dad. Uh, Hall of Famer, longtime Braves executive, uh, was the architect of those great Braves teams of the 90s. Jonathan is also a basically a lifelong baseball man and has been with the Braves really in a sense since he was a a kid really when when uh, his dad first took over but Jonathan has served in just about every area of the organization I feel like at this point I mean he's he was a a longtime player in the Braves farm system he's managed he's coached in the farm system he now works in the front office so he has a wealth of knowledge and experience uh, to share with you and beyond that he's just a really good guy I've gotten to know Jonathan a little bit here in the office over the last year or two and as long overdue we had him on this show to to dive into his career a little bit. So, let's get right into it, shall we? Without further ado, here he is, Braves advanced scout, Jonathan Sherholtz. Well, Jonathan, thank you for taking the time to come downstairs and uh, slum it with me down here in, in my uh, my humble abode, surrounded by bobbleheads. I will say I got your dad's book up there behind me, so
1: I do have. Amidst all the Metallica posters and stuff, there is some signs of respectability. It's with. a very distracting background. So if I don't <laughs> if I don't make eye contact with you, it's because I'm trying to figure out what bobblehead or what uh, trinket I'm looking at on your uh, on your shelf. I'm I'm kind of screwed this year when we have this year's bobbleheads because I've kind of run out of space here. I've I got faith in you. I think you can make some uh, creative decisions and figure out what to do. I'm gonna have
0: to build some more shelves in here just for exactly uh, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. for taking the time to come down. Uh, This is long overdue. I've I've had the pleasure of getting to work with you on some internal projects here. And that's been a lot of fun getting to work with you a little bit and getting to know you. But I definitely just wanted to have you in to talk about your career uh, on the field, off the field, in the front office. I want to back up and start at the beginning with early life and all that before we get there. Just let's start with where we're at now. Your advanced scout right now with with the organization so what is a i know no two days are alike for most people that work in baseball i would say and i'm sure for a scout it's an advanced scout it's the same way but what is a typical day in the life right now for jonathan Sherholz?
1: well right now is the off season so there's a lot of kind of ad hoc stuff that i'm doing with uh the major league ops team and and there's little projects coming up that we're getting ready for spring training but um most of my role is is condensed into the season and when i'm in the season as the major league advanced scout normally focusing mainly on the national league east uh, i'll go out about a 10 days or so before our club gets ready to play a national league east opponent and i'll watch the team that we're uh, let's say it's the phillies i'll watch the phillies for um five six games or so and then report back to Adam, uh, Sana and his group, uh, and our group, as, and as we try to put together the game plan for the Phillies as their uh, for our upcoming opponent. And part of what I'm looking at is for certain things that might not be perce- uh, perceivable on a video broadcast. That because our guys go through it, they can. I mean, we know we have people that are looking at every different area. As all as are all Major League Operations front offices and baseball operations in baseball. But what I'm looking at are things that maybe I'm picking up on in the press box. Think something that they're talking about, a player that's going on over there, or I'm out early at a ballpark and I'm seeing a guy working on a certain thing, or uh, there might be somebody who's working on uh, an injury or something like that, or there's something that a, a camera can't pick up that maybe I'm seeing a guy not backing up the bases. Something, any Any small... Um, area that can help us get, even if it's half a percent or one percent better chance of winning one ball game. That's what I'm trying to do. It's almost, you, the way you
0: describe it, it's almost like baseball detective work in a way. It sounds super interesting when you pick up on something and then you report that back and then you see something that you found, even whether it's one, even like you said, what would you say? Half a percent. Just something that gives our group a little bit of a, an edge or or it helps in some way. When you see that come into play later in a game, does that give you a little extra? It's got to make you feel Good to see something you picked up on, then applied in a game at yeah, some point later. No
1: question: I think the 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 biggest uh, reward I can remember feeling is I just start, I started doing this. I was doing this role. Um, I would go through my regular role through the season, and then when the postseason coverage came on, this is starting in about I think twenty uh, it would have been nineteen, maybe I was doing this, uh, and we would had other other scouts doing this at the same time. But I, my first foray into doing the. Um, um, No, this would have been 21, uh, when we were facing the Brewers. I was on them for about 12 games before we played them in the postseason. And there were certain things that I – I mean, I knew that – I felt like I knew that team. Backwards, forwards, upside, downside, everything about them. And certain things that I relayed back to our group, I – Saw come to fruition in the games that we played. Now, I want to stop short of saying that it's all because of me. The team that we have in our Major League Operations Department does an amazing job of pulling every single piece of information that we possibly can, and I'm just a cog in that whole machine and i just love to think that my role is impactful in some respect and i think seeing that what we were able to do in the postseason that has moved us into the area that now we're uh identifying or allocating one specific person being me right now to do it during the regular season and that's kind of how the role has grown that's amazing we could talk all day about that i do
0: want to go through how, how we got to where we are today and start at the beginning. So, and you correct me where I'm wrong. Cause I, you know, if it's on the internet, it must be true. Abraham Lincoln said that, right. um, that kind of deal. But in my research of, of you, uh, you can just tell me where I, where I'm incorrect. But so I'm, I referenced your dad earlier, of course, hall of famer, your dad, John Sherholtz, longtime Braves GM executive, beloved here in Braves country for building a uh, the teams that the teams that I grew up on that made me love the Braves. But when you were born, where you were born, he was with the Royals. Were you were born in Kansas City. Correct. Is that I was correct? born in Kansas City. Yeah. Okay. So you grew up around the game early on.
1: Correct. Yep. I was a Royals. Um, I bothered all those guys in the clubhouse when I was, you know, knee high to a duck. So it was a fun little upbringing. Who was your Who
0: was your favorite Royals? George as a kid? Brett. Oh okay. yeah,
1: George Brett. And I very fortunate uh, now to call him a friend. And uh every summer I usually make the trip up with dad to Cooperstown and and George is always up there and I, you know, play golf with him or get a chance to to chat with him and and it's it's been really for a while it was really surreal and strange that the guy I grew up loving watch play and um would mess with me in the clubhouse um to be able to call him a friend is pretty pretty neat. Yeah, you know, I 2012 so now 11 years ago part of my
0: first little break into working in baseball was I was a cast member in this thing called MLB Fan Cave which was a reality show kind of deal that I MLB hit. Yeah. yeah so there's there's some pictures on the, the wall actually with some with Frank Cora as, as a royal there I was playing a little tribute song for him that I wrote but as part of that deal us those of us that were in there we were getting to meet ball players both present and former Uh, every day and celebrities and all that so I don't know I must have met like a hundred major league uh, past and present ball players that year as did my 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 friends there that were with my fellow castmates that were in there. And if you asked any of us, like who was the, who were your favorite of the people you met? Everybody pretty much would always say George Brett was the number one answer. He came in and was just so cool and so much fun to hang out with and hilarious and
1: unfiltered. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly right. He is. There is no filter that goes through him. He will say what he feels. And it's just, it's, uh, he's, it's just a, a hoot. He's a lot yeah, of fun. he's great. So what was it like growing up in that
0: world? So I grew up in the NASCAR world. Dad was a race car driver. So I grew up in this pretty a pretty cool environment. It was different from everybody else I went to school with. What was that like for you growing
1: up around that? Um, I don't think I knew much that it was very different when I was young. I don't think that hit me until I got to Atlanta. Um I, was, I knew I was very lucky. I mean, my buddy and I in Kansas City, I would wear a George Brett uniform. He would wear a Willie Wilson uniform in the backyard, and we'd play baseball together. Um, that's a And I just knew I had a cool uniform. Uh, I didn't really know much different. Um, but it was when I got to Atlanta and we were really successful and it was at that age, you know, 11, 12, 13, where it's like, it's really cool to have your dad be a part of a major league organization, let alone one that's in playing in the world series year in and year out. Um, so that was where it really hit me was when we got to Atlanta. Uh, but it was, you know, it's a super cool. I I remember going, we go to church on Sunday and then I'd leave with dad and go with him to the, clubhouse and to watch BP on the field back when they actually hit batting practice on Sundays right. <laughs> um, on the hot AstroTurf in Kansas City in the middle of June. Um, yeah, I would, it was just very, I was very lucky. And um, one thing I'm very uh, thankful for is both of my parents made sure that i you, to me, you can either go one of two ways. You could either feel really entitled and that you can do whatever you want in that role and and give kind of the run of the house, or you are taught how to be reverent and understanding of how special this place is. And I was taught that. I was taught just hey, when you're in the clubhouse, be seen, not heard. Don't do anything. Um, I messed up one time. I uh, Kurt Stillwell was a guy I used to kind of gravitate towards, shortstop, and or actually, I, th- I think was his uh, locker mate. No kidding. Yeah. Small um, world. And I remember doing something. This is back when I was probably eight. And so this is an eight-year-old prank. I thought it was pretty funny. Kurt worked sites I can't remember, I think was sitting down. And I pulled the chair out from underneath him. And I heard my dad's voice from across the uh, clubhouse. And I didn't go in the clubhouse for a while after that. So oh. it was a good lesson as to like how to be how to treat that area. And so, um, whenever I got the opportunity to have my children in that, uh, area in the clubhouse, it it's like, you have to understand like how special it is. And uh, I was very lucky that to be, uh, raised that way. So
0: I would imagine you wanted to be a baseball player as soon as you could even think about it. Right.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, it wasn't like it was forced on me. It was, it just came organic. Uh, dad never, if I wanted to be a soccer player, he was cool with it. If I wanted to, um, you know, go in an artistic direction. He was fine with that. He was never, he never pushed me towards it. He let me gravitate towards it myself. And I was very thankful for that. And I just happened to gravitate towards it, love baseball and ended up um, playing and kind of going from there. So you, you start playing baseball as a kid,
0: then you're going on into, into high school. When did it become apparent that... You felt like you you could not only play at the collegiate level but at a D one level because you went to you played at Auburn. I played right? at Auburn. Um,
1: yeah, that was probably I was a little naive. I didn't really realize how good those SEC ACC conferences were. But I went to a um, a camp. I want to say it was my sophomore year or junior year. Um, at Auburn and just absolutely fell in love with that school. With the co and, and dad had had a relationship with then head coach Hal Baird, um, because Hal was in the the Royals organization, and so you know, they tremendous man, awesome guy. And I went for my official visit, and uh, I guess that'd be a couple months later, and and they offered me like books. I mean, it was like the <laughs> the lowest scholarship you could possibly get, and I just fell in love with it. And there was no promise of playing time, and I just knew I wanted to play in the best conference with the best against the best players, and not knowing what kind of playing time I would get, and so I did that.
0: Were you now? You were, were you drafted out of high school as well? Was there an option to to go to turn pro out of high school?
1: Yeah, there was. It was like the thirty seventh or thirty eighth okay. round. I think it, it was more of like a hey, congratulations, you were drafted. We don't expect you to sign um, uh, almost like a, uh, I don't want to give it a a charity draft, but it kind of was. And I can admit what it was. Um, Knowing that I was going to go to Auburn, and I'm glad that I did. I was not ready to go into the world that was professional baseball at the time. Um, I was barely ready to go to college at that time, (laughs) so I ended up doing it. Anyway, um, yeah, so I went to Auburn, and and, – you know, knowing that, kind of seeing it to the draft at, at a high school level, had no idea what to expect when I got to college, um, but felt like, kind of it was the next step. It was logical, and had a good fall, and then um, ended up kind of having a decent little college career.
0: Well, I would say more than decent. I mean, so you ended up you finish it off, and you're an uh, infielder, right? Or what? What did you predominantly play? I played, most I, I play played at
1: mostly short. So, I came in. Uh, I was not the starter um, my freshman year. Right? So freshman spring, I don't want to bore you with the story. Freshman spring, I was not the starter. My roommate was a starting second baseman and we had this guy, Dominic Rich, who was our who was the second baseman the year before and he was a all, preseason All-American. He was our shortstop. Well, Brett Burnham, my roommate, uh, got hurt and he, uh, in the first game, broke his handmate bone. So I was in, the, in and out, kind of playing some second, playing some third, and then uh, in practice, I guess I impressed the coaches enough defensively. They put me at short, so I played short uh, freshman, rest of my freshman year, sophomore year, and then played a little bit of short and third my uh, my junior year prior to the draft. Okay, so you
0: end up you finish at Auburn, and then now you're drafted by the Braves. I think eighth round, something like that, something, something eighth, like that, eighth or seventh. So we're eighth, not we're not, not, a, not a charity pick anymore, right? I mean, this is this is legit. Okay, we think this guy could be a prospect. What do you remember about being drafted and? Were you at all concerned about being the, the GM's son and then being drafted into the system? Like, did that did that weigh on you at all? Did it drive you? Did it bother you? How did you feel about
1: I it? I don't think it weighed on me. I think I I had grown up with it my entire life playing. I mean, everywhere I went, whether it was high school, travel ball, college, I'd learned that pretty quickly. People are gonna get all over me, right or wrong, um, for who my father was, and that's fine. I I, I was I was fine with that, um, but I felt like being drafted where I was it kind of provided a little bit of um, uh, confirmation that I was a dec- at least a decent player. Not a great player, a decent player, enough to where um, the Braves took a shot on me. Now I thought there was a couple other teams in the mix there um, around that same uh, draft slot that um, I was thinking would give a shot. Ch- anyway, um, once I got drafted with the Braves, I don't think I knew I was, I was going to go out there and give it my best, regardless of what my last name is, who has what role. It was kind of like, I'm just going to go and do the best that I possibly can every day.
0: What was that like? What do you remember about those early days of playing in the minor leagues, first becoming a pro? What was that like for you?
1: Um, Well, I, one funny story is... Uh, I remember going to spring training with dad and I'd go to the backfields with them and see the, see these minor league catchers. And I'm like, this is so cool. I'm loving it. And I see the catchers going over from the 10 pack catching bullpens. They're sprinting, they're running over and they look just so upset and so mad. Like they are just <laughs> not happy. I'm like, how can you not be smiling all this stuff? And then I go to my first instructional league and I see what the catchers are doing and they're dog tired. And I'm like, I get it. I understand what they're going through now. Um, and so that was kind of the first, like, all right, it's go time. Um, every day I'm out, you're out there, you're working hard, you're sweating your tail off. Um, and there's just a lot of work that goes into it. And I was willing to put the work in.
0: Yeah, you played, uh, where all did you play? I'm assuming Danville. I know so you played Danville Mississippi. So Danville was a draft year. Okay.
1: Um, and then it went to Instructional League like the next that fall. And then played in Rome. So I was lucky. We were. I was very lucky. The the my draft class was, uh, Frankor, McCann, Dan Meyer, and so, uh, Jeff. Um, I played with Jeff and Dan, in Danville, um, and then the following year, it was really cool because we had a really good team in Rome. It was the first year that Rome existed as a low A team and we ended up winning the whole thing and it was because we had you know you look at mccann frank core kyle davies anthony larue blaine boyer we had a bunch of it was very similar to the 2016 rome braves that i was just lucky to be on i was not you know the big leaguers that they would become but you know just that was a special team to be on and we ended up winning the whole thing it was great
0: Like I said earlier at the beginning of this, I've been lucky or fortunate enough to work with you on a couple things here. And I don't think I've told you this before. Honestly, I, it, it just hadn't. I hadn't thought about this in a while until this morning when I was kind of going over just my notes and prepping for for having you in here. And I just all of a sudden had this flashback that I just hadn't thought about in a while. So this would have been spring training 2006. So my senior year of college uh, should have graduated the year before, but I, I took a victory lap.
1: It, yeah, it happens. As we should.
0: It happens. Uh, but me and my two, two of my close friends, we were all seniors in college and we, we decided for spring break, we didn't have a formal plan or anything, but all three of us, big baseball fans. I'm of course, always been a Braves fan. My buddies were Orioles fans. So we said, you know what, let's the three of us, let's load up my car. I'll drive us. Let's just, let's, we got the spring training baseball schedules. We'll try to see both our teams as much as we can for a week. We got other friends around the state. We'll stay in the cheap hotels that we can afford. We'll probably get into some shenanigans and hijinks along the way. As you should at as, that age. As, as, and we did. And we were definitely 21 right. at the time. But all three of us just baseball nerds in addition to being normal college kids we just the three of us love baseball and we thought man that's a great spring break we just go around florida very cool and and so we we each got some some baseballs and we would go to different different parks we'd show up kind of early and we were definitely not autograph hounds again we're just baseball nerds and we like collecting stuff and being as close to the players all that kind of stuff so uh, I can't remember who all's autograph I got that day. I've got one ball from that day. Uh, I think I got McCann okay. and then some other guys. And then your dad comes walking by right on the warning track right in front of us. And I said, hey, Mr. Schultz. And he's like, yeah. I was like, can I get your autograph? He's like, sure, sure. And we just chatted a little bit. He was super friendly to me and my friends, which was cool. And I think it was about 15 or 20 minutes later, I see you coming by. And I said, Jonathan, can we get your autograph? You're like, sure. And you signed a ball. So I've got a ball that's got you and your dad's signatures on it. And I have to keep it. It's Again, we were college kids. It was not a Rawlings ball, and we did not have a quality pin, so it's faded a little bit. So right. it's it's test to stay out of the sun now. You realize but... how
1: much I devalued that ball by my
0: signature, <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> no, no. See, here's the thing. For me as a fan, it's a cool memory, and I thought and still think it's cool that I had both Scherholz really on neat. the ball. Yeah, you know? very cool. So yeah, that was uh, you're still. those towards the end of. I think you're you're playing. Days. Yeah,
1: 06 was. Um uh my last no second to last spring training i went to spring training in 07 and then uh the ba- the world of baseball told me that it was time to move on um yeah what was that what was that decision like how did you arrive at that well i mean besides looking up and seeing that i was on the interstate the entire you know my entire career like hitting <laughs> 180 190 whatever it was right. that kind of told me um but it was i got to the point where I felt like maybe if I made a couple of adjustments, I could have stuck around for a couple of teams somewhere at the double A level, bounced around, maybe you have a a good run and you get to the big leagues at a cup of coffee, but I would be 30. I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a a long career and it was time for me to kind of move on. And uh, I spoke with our then farm director about it and he understood and um, played my last game in Charlotte. Um, And we were finished like mid August and we were finishing and I was, I just, drove to charlotte on my way down from richmond back to atlanta and i was going back to auburn i was i was because i left after my junior year at auburn so i still had two semesters remaining uh, technically three but um two and a half so i went back and finished up and um yeah i was i never never forget the last game i played i was i hit a home run in the game and it was the last hit i got was a home run, which I hit like ten in my entire career. <laughs> so um, it would we, well if you have ever been to the old ballpark in uh, Charlotte, it's the biggest bandbox in my minor league baseball. At least it was at the time. It was great, great place to hit. Um, and then I lined out my next to bat, and I am on deck. We're coming. We're getting our brains beat in, and I'm on deck. And a guy, Doug Clark, is up before me. Bases loaded, two outs, we're down by five. And he has a three-two count. It's like this is all building up. I'm like, I'm gonna get a chance to tie this game up. This is gonna be he's gonna walk. He it's gonna be a four-run deficit. I'm gonna come up. I'm gonna this is gonna be my great swan song. Well then Doug, I'd love him, swung at a ball at his eyes and struck out. <laughs> and I had amped myself up so much that I hadn't even given myself the ability to think that it was my last game. And then when it ended, the emotions just crashed on me and I bawled like a baby. I was so just, it was it. It was the, it was the last time I was going to put on a, a uniform to play. Um, that was it. And sat in the dugout. And it was really cool because I, I ended up getting a couple of the guys on the other team that we had seen, the the White Sox from the time we were in Danville. They were in Bristol. They were in Canapolis, They were winston Slate, They were all the way up coming through. Um And so I knew a lot of those guys in the other dugout and they had one by one, a bunch of them came over and just gave me a hug and said, Hey man, best of luck. You did. We love playing against you. Uh, and I have a couple, um, baseballs like you just talked about, um, signed with some notes on some from some of those guys about, Hey, you played the game the right way. Loved watching you play. Good luck. And it was just, and then I got in my car that, that evening and drove home and, you know, contemplated life and then went to Auburn and moved on. That's
0: awesome. Did you get a business degree at Auburn? Got a business so degree, yeah. Did you know once your playing days were over, did you know you still wanted to work in baseball?
1: No, I didn't know. So I went back to Auburn. Um, I knew I had some credits to finish up and to get my business degree. And I, I was kind of in that, that time frame of my life where I didn't know where I was going to go. I could have gone into the private world, um, but One of the reasons why I I retired when I retired is my uh, the guy who recruited me out of high school, Tom Slater, who was my assistant coach at Auburn when I played there, was now the head coach there, and I was like, hey, I'd love to be a you know help out any way I could. There were some NCAA rules that we wouldn't allow me to be a coach, but I could be a like. Uh, manager, so to speak. I'm using air quotes here. Um, Anyway, I went back, got my uh, finish-up did classes, been helped out around where I could to see if maybe I wanted to go to be a college coach or whatever. And I knew I enjoyed the game and coaching. And then Kirk Kemp, who was our farm director at the time, I called and said, hey, do you have anything? I'd love to be um, uh, a chance to maybe be an instructor. And they had a role as an infield instructor. So I graduated spring of 08. And then uh, sorry, summer of 08, like June of 08. And then went July one started being a roving infield instructor at the lower levels and kind of started my coaching professional coaching career. Yeah, so you went on you not only coached you managed
0: some in the minors too. I mean, So what was that that whole experience like coaching managing in awesome. the minor leagues? Yeah. Loved
1: it. Absolutely loved it. Um, the coaching aspect was neat, but you only have so much impact. Um, and then I I was awarded my first managerial assignment and that would have been in 2011 in Gulf Coast League, which is like feet to the fire. It is ho- I mean literally it's hotter than Hades down there in the summertime. You're getting kids who are fresh over from either the Dominican or it's first year high school draft picks usually. Um, And it's really about keeping their spirits up and trying to teach baseball at the same time. And it was, it was, it was a good learning experience. So did that in 11. And then I was able to manage um, Danville in 12 and 13. Um, And then Rome coming full circle to my first full season. I managed Rome in 14. And then that was when there was some transition in the, um, leadership, uh, in that fall. And then, um, the new regime that came in, um, tabbed me and said, Hey, would you like to work in the front office in the baseball operations department as the assistant director of player development? So that's how I transitioned out of that role. And I had a young family at the time, um, still do, but like a, had a one-year-old and it was like, this is a really good opportunity. Um, hopefully can impact on a more grand scale. And that was when I got into the front office. Okay. So you started assistant scouting
0: director. And so what all, what all different roles have you served since joining, moving off the field and into the front office? Yeah, it
1: was assistant director of player development. Sorry, player development. Okay. I did that. Um, And then from there, I, I, did that for a few years and then the the recent change when alex came in uh was made um assistant director of pro scouting so that i was able to so i was able to touch and and help um run our farm system i was able to uh learn and help run our pro scouting department uh under when perry manassian was here he was kind of the head of that and then i i learned from him and then um I went from there to being a uh, special assignment scout for Alex and um, uh, and doing whatever his bidding was. And then now I'm the uh, advanced scout. So, yeah, just kind of done a whole lot of different, uh, worn a lot of different hats. Well,
0: that's... That's great. So that leads me to this question. Then, where do you see yourself going from here? Is there a do you aspire to follow in your dad's footsteps, be a GM? Do you do you like where you're at now? I mean, or are you just kind of are you kind of like me? You're just going with with where where it all takes yeah, you. Yeah,
1: I think it's it's really hard to get caught up in especially in our business, it's really hard to get caught up in. This is my one goal. I have to do this or else my, my life is a failure. And I don't subscribe to that. I think it's, I want to be the most valuable asset to the organization that I possibly can in whatever role they deem necessary. Yeah. I have personal goals. I would, it would be unbelievable to to run a baseball operations department. Um, The harsh truth to that is there's only 30 of those roles in the the entire world. Um, So, that may not come and my goal is to help Adam and his group and Alex and, and our entire group up there and doing it whatever I can and if somebody thinks that I have um, merited a look at another role then I will be, I'll welcome that but right now my focus is every year trying to help our major league front office become the best version of what we can possibly be and it, it, was, it was so cool 2021 knowing that May, the small role that I may have played and watching us win in Houston um, was really really neat and I want to make have that feeling again I think being a part of a winning team that we are um, it's very dangerous to start to wish to go somewhere else um, but like I said I do have personal goals but it's it's going to be one of those things that you gotta take it as it comes and see what happens as the world unfolds I love that answer I think that's perfect
0: I mean I, I kind of even in what I do, I kind of treat it the same way. I, whatever whatever is given to me i'm going to do the best i can for the team and whatever opportunities i have along the way sometimes you can create some for yourself just just by chance or by opportunity but i figure if i'm doing the best i can with that and putting everything i have into it and trying to just do the best for my team around me uh and the organization then it's going to it, it will it will impact positively my my personal goals as well i mean when i started working for the Braves as a Braves fan it was just in-game tweets that's all it right. was and i didn't know that a couple years later it was going to turn into well me and a guy I watched growing up are going to co-host a podcast for the team right and then somehow that's going to lead to me interviewing famous people that are yeah. Braves fans or you know being at a fort bragg game or going to the world series in houston or being on a world series parade it's the uh, it's all the the amazing benefits of it are, are great okay so last question what would be and i think we're we're kind of in this area anyways but somebody that's looking to, that wants to work in baseball, wants to break into baseball. What would your advice be to them?
1: Be okay. Getting your teeth kicked in. I mean, it is, this is such a tough business. It is such a, uh, difficult business. I used to tell people that would work in our, when I was running the farm, uh, helping run the farm system and we would do interviews, um, with potential interns or whatever it may have been trainees. Um, I would tell the people who, in our group, I said, just understand how lucky we are. We have the keys to the castle. We are already inside this castle. And it is such a coveted place to be. And it deserves a lot of reverence from us um, to understand what we've been given. And um, never take it for granted because it's super hard to get into. There are people bashing down the doors all the time just to try to get in. It takes a dogged... Uh, Uh, personality, somebody who's not willing to give up, somebody who's willing to do every role that is given to them. Um, And the role has the baseball operations has changed. Um, So the more well-rounded and understanding of all of the analytical metrics that are out there, whether you can use SQL or R or all these different things, and I'm learning them, I have to adjust, I have to adjust. But if you're just trying to break into this business, be willing to do all like a lot of tough hours, um, be asked to do a lot of grunt work and just say, smile and say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I'll do it. And that's how you ingratiate your, yourself to a a front office. And also it helps to be intelligent. I mean, and about not just, and intelligence is the wrong word, but like smart about our industry and being able to speak eloquently about what's happened in the past. Where are we now? And what do we think is going to happen in the future? Because that's really what we're doing. That's awesome. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for taking the time,
0: man. Much appreciated. Hope you and the family have a great Christmas. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah. Thank you for taking the time. buddy. I appreciate
1: you having me. Thank you for uh, doing this.